Hello, it's Afghanics uh, podcast. Uh, I'm uh, Stepan. My co-host is uh, Pavel, and our new guest is uh, a, a former fellow student of mine from American Academy of Bookbinding and a bookbinder, the bookbinding teacher, a graphic designer uh, from Boulder, Colorado, Brenda Gallagher. Hi, Brenda. Hi. Hi, Pavel. I'm so glad to see you after all these years, uh, because uh, we definitely talked over Facebook, uh, but uh, uh, seeing you is something different, and uh, it's it's a great opportunity to talk and to discuss your work and uh, yeah and bookbinding. Thank you for asking me. Um, I I'm trying not to be intimidated. A lot of the people you have interviewed before are big deals, but I'm happy to be here. It's a bit strange, but. Uh, we've been talking to all these different bookbinders. Uh, some of them are uh, really high-level professionals, and uh, yeah. and I I never was nervous. And this is the first time our eleventh podcast. This is the first time I, I feel nervous somehow. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> so it's it's a very well, strange you don't feeling. You need to be nervous just because of me. That's for sure. <laughs> so let's start from beginning. Uh, how did you get to making books and? Uh, what was your education? What was your path of bookbinding? How, how did you decide to make books? Um, my undergraduate degree is in graphic design with an emphasis on illustration. I also have an undergraduate degree in art history. Um, when I moved to Boulder in 1995, I, um, I immediately fell into this little publishing mecca that is in Boulder. There are many magazines and books being published there. And um, I became a publication specialist. I've been designing nothing but print, mm -hmm. which makes me an old timer. <laughs> nothing but print for the last 23 years and nothing but magazines and books. I have uh, designed for titles like Yoga Journal. These are the kind of things that I work on professionally. Um, I've worked on so many other titles, you know, but... Um, I've also done books, you know, for stuff like this, yeah. like this. And so you're making a book when you're a graphic designer. You're sitting in front of the computer and making a book. But what you're actually doing is sitting there, clicking the mouse, and the seasons are passing. And yeah. you turn in your files to the printer, and six months, six weeks later, the truck shows up with the boxes yeah. of your books that you made. And certainly you made that book, but... You didn't make it. Yeah, it's it's, it's still a pretty virtual uh, environment. Uh, yeah, I think we yeah. I think we discussed it during uh, one of the earlier podcasts that I uh, at some moments of uh, my my career I was working as a, a sales manager at a, at a large IT company and uh, we were working with business uh, partners all over Russia and I I sold all these large computer server and security systems I never saw them. They just passed uh, passed uh, uh, in front of me like invoices, and <laughs> and it, it was yeah. such such a bizarre virtual uh, life. And uh, uh, at some moment, I understood that I just can't live this life, and I I want something material. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly how I was feeling. I felt like I wanted to be more involved with the making of the book. I wanted to have a tactile experience. I wanted to you know, feel the paper and smell the leather and use my hands to actually make it. So I took my first bookbinding class in 1995 with Jeff Becker, who is a local medieval bookbinding yeah. um, guy. 
And th so I learned how to do the long stitch yep. through a piece of leather that wraps around this book three times. That was my very first book. Um, and from there, I was just hooked. I fell in love and um, I loved everything about making the structure. And I took a ton of classes at a local um, bookbinding shop, like a paper shop here in town. And, um, and then I was still hungry for more knowledge. So I landed at the American Academy of Bookbinding in 2000 and 2003 was my first year there. Mm -hmm. And I studied with Tini Miura and, um, oh, wow. That was just eye-opening to this whole new level of bookbinding. Well, it's the details of the details and the meticulous hand skills. And I loved every bit of it. Um, and then I had many children and I needed to take a long break from the AAB. So it was probably 10 years before I got back to the school to get back on track to pursuing the diploma there. And here we are now I'm working with Don Glaster and Peter Garrity. Yep. And um, I can't say enough great things about the school. I think that uh, we are so lucky that there's an institution here in America that teaches those skills that you would have to go to Europe to learn otherwise. Um, and I'm not in a position to go spend a couple years as an apprentice in Europe. So um, I'm eternally thankful for that institution there. Yep. And um, it feels like it feels like home to me. It feels like touching home base every time I go, um, and you know you get to have those rich conversations with the people who get it, people who understand what you're aiming for, um, and the value of a beautiful book, the value of of a treasured object, an object that's so that touches your heart so much that you're going to spend that much time working on it, you know, and develop all the skills necessary to make something beautiful. I love every, every part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can relate because uh, the crowd there is definitely a one of a kind, uh, both uh, teachers and students. And uh, I, I just recently uh, talked uh, uh, with the, uh, uh, I did a sort of small interview on uh, on Instagram, and uh, uh, I was asked about my study at, uh, at the American Academy of Bookbinding. And uh, uh, there is a Soviet sci-fi book which is called uh, uh, "Monday Starts on Saturday," and it, it's about a mix of uh, uh, science research institution and and magic. And uh, it's it's a very specific and peculiar uh, work, but the general idea that is. Uh, 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 that is stated in the title is that uh, the work is so interesting that you start a new week on Saturday, uh, right after the Friday has ended. So I had this exactly this feeling when when we were studying uh, when I was studying at the American Academy of Bookbinding because you want to never stop uh, this uh, creative and the learning and uh, uh, I hope teaching process there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty special, and uh, you know you you always have the opportunity to learn more and newer and deeper understanding of each part of the process and the why. The why is my favorite part. Why are we doing it this way? And to really understand how we came to the decision to do the bookbinding this way for this particular reason, um, for the structure, for the functionality, for the durability, for the beauty of the book. Yeah. Um, I love that. 
but I understand there are also two other major schools in the U.S., uh, the North Bennett School and the Rare Book School. Uh, did you ever consider uh, studying there? Um, I did. Actually, there are several programs. There's a, an MFA of bookbinding at the University of Iowa, which is a three-year program. I think there's a, there's a big school at the University of Alabama, which I think was one of the first schools. And um, there's, there are other programs at, um, in Chicago and Washington, D.C., and at the um, University of the Arts in Philadelphia. Um, and I looked at all of those programs. I did. Um, but being a mom here, I'm raising a family here, I'm not really in a position, again, to pick up my family and move to Iowa for, yeah. for three years. Um, and the other thing, too, is that I'm learning the differences in the programs. Um, so if you study at, uh, at the Chicago programming, the Chicago program, you're going to get a lot of um, intensive instruction on paper making they're pretty famous for their paper making mm -hmm. uh, the Iowa program as I understand it is very well-rounded their program includes letterpress printing paper making calligraphy artist books and book binding um, all of the different facets of the book arts and so each program that you approach has a different scope um, a different scope yeah. a different a combination of those skills and what they're focusing on. Some programs might be more um, artist book related and some are heavier letterpress related. The Alabama school is, is bench skills, bookbinding. Um, and uh, the thing that I really like about the American Academy of Bookbinding is that the Design Fine Binder degree is, um, it's perfect for me because as a designer, um, I am, very interested in the hand skills and the bench skills and learning how to make a beautiful book by by structuring it properly so that it functions I definitely am after those bench skills but I'm also after learning how to make a beautiful book that is an introduction the design of the book is an introduction to the content um, and that's a rare sort of program. It's it's kind of uh, fortuitous that I ended up right with that school in my backyard. Well, yeah. backyard is a little bit of a stretch. It takes me eight hours to drive up in the mountains to get there. Yeah. Um, but close enough to drive, I'm, I'm very <clears throat> lucky that I landed here. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know how difficult it is to get there. Oh yeah, when uh, I, uh, I was deciding on schools, uh... The first thing I, I did was uh, to check uh, the different programs and I understood that uh, American Academy of Bookbinding offers these uh, short uh, time courses, one week or two week courses. And uh, compared to, I don't know, North Bennett Street School, uh, uh, which offers you a two year program, uh, it was uh, much more affordable and re realistic for me to go to, to Telluride. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, calculated uh, the uh, amount of money I need to spend on tickets, on uh, lodging, I don't know what. And then yeah. I, I decided to check how to get there to Telluride. It was pretty same different distance from Salt Lake City, uh, Denver, uh, uh, I think uh, Phoenix and uh, Albuquerque or something like that. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, but I had friends yeah. in Boulder, so I decided to go through Denver. Yeah, it's... Um... We had some international students that flew into Denver and then they had chartered a bus, a series of buses 
to take them from Denver to Grand Junction, from Grand Junction to Montrose, and then from Montrose up to Telluride. And if the buses don't sell enough tickets, or I don't know exactly the reason, but the buses can just cancel that route. You can have a ticket on it and they can say, oh, sorry, we're not running that route today. And there were some international students that were stranded yeah. halfway to Telluride. And I was driving up in my car and Katie called me and said, Brenda, can you pick up this student who's stranded in Montrose? And I said, uh, yes. Yes, I can. If I take the different road right now, I can make it over to Montrose and um, pick yeah. him up. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's but, um, the end of the world, you know. Yeah, but then after all these troubles, when you uh, come into this valley and uh, it opens up to you, and uh, you see all these mountains surrounding Telrites, and there is this waterfall in the end. It's it's just so breathtaking. It's one of the, I think it's just one of the most beautiful places on earth. <laughs> Agree, yeah. And yeah, why is the American School of Bookbinding in Telluride? Why in Telluride of all places? Um, I think that it's there because it is a, a sub-school of the AHA Academy, the AHA School of Arts, and that is in Telluride. So the American Academy of Bookbinding is underneath the umbrella of the AHA school. And um, it was started by Daniel, it's Daniel Kelm, right? And Teeny back in the, back in the nineties. And yeah. um, I think Daniel was living there at the time when he wanted to start to school. And um, that's my basic knowledge of how that happened. Yeah, I, I think we can ask uh, uh, Peter Gerty uh, these questions. Uh, right yeah, when when we, when we talk to him uh, in the end of uh, November, <laughs> he will have the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about uh, what you mean when you say that uh, you appreciate and you aim for beauty in a book. What is a beautiful book for uh, for you? Because when I look at your work. Uh, some of the words that come to mind are joyful, playful, very, uh, gen uh, very gentle, and not overly serious. You know, your books, they invite you to use them, to handle them. Even the ones you clearly spend lots and lots and lots and lots of, of time on, they still look like something you would take and live through. Yes. Are, are, are those aspects of beauty or what, what is beauty in a book for you? Well, um, I definitely want the design, again, to be an invitation to the book to make you want to touch it, make you want to hold it. I think that that physical interaction of holding a book and turning the pages and um, the book functioning so that you have access to all of that information that's in the book, all of the stories or whatever's in there, um, that's the point of bookbinding is so that you can give that experience to your readers with an object that will last, that can be enjoyed and learned from by many, many people. Um, and our bindings are meant to last a hundred years. Um, we are taught to use only materials that we know will last a hundred years. And um, I think the playfulness in my work comes from a little tongue in cheek. So this work that we're doing, it can be very serious, especially if you perform these works on very serious collectible books. Um, I aim to take these ancient traditions and crafts that were 
um, they were saved for just the most precious books, the most renowned books, the most important information, and um, use them for for uh, stories and books that maybe, um, okay, I'm gonna say it, don't deserve a fine binding. So this is a thing that I learned at the American Academy of Bookbinding is to think about what books deserve this sacred treatment. Um, and I kind of chafe against the idea because I feel like any book that is important to me that touches my heart, that book is worth my time and materials and attention. Um, and I feel that anybody who has uh, an intimate relationship with a particular book that is a touchstone for them, that book deserves a fine binding. I'm ready to make that binding for you, whatever that book is. Um, and it doesn't have to meet a criteria of value first for me. That's where I am right now. Could you perhaps give, give an example of the biggest gap between the amount of labor you spent and the official status of the book you worked on? Um, I pulled one out to show you. Um, this is a book that I made only one copy of. I printed it on my letterpress and I made it for my husband. There's one copy and I made it for him. And I put a lot of time and I gave it the treatment. And it is a book uh, of letterpress printed bread bag ties. Can you think of anything less important than a bread bag tie? Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. Those little plastic tabs where you twist the bag of the bread and then you put oh, the yeah. little tab on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I made a book devoted to that. So, yeah, it's a little tongue in cheek. But it's a beautiful gesture. Yes. And it's a beautiful story. Well, that's that's what's uh, what's the one most important and uh, uh, what I really like uh, about uh, talking to different bookbinders and uh, different bookish peoples, because not not all of our guests are bookbinders, uh, uh, is that uh, every person has their own approach to bookbinding and to bookbinding styles, and uh, every person has different things important to them, and uh, and that's what uh, uh, I hope this podcast shows that. Uh, uh, it's it's for you to choose what's important to you and uh, how to how to implement different uh, styles and traditions and how to mix them and how to experiment with them and uh, uh, there is there is just no right or wrong way to do things here. Well, maybe there is wrong way when you are like destroying <laughs> something completely or something. But if you are if you are creating new things without destroying. <laughs> Uh, I and, guess. and and even if you're creating new things while destroying uh, all the things, you remember uh, what yeah. Mark showed us. Yeah, uh, we inter we true. interviewed a book artist from London who buries the books he made into ground uh, okay. for for two or three months, and they turn into these surreal sculptures. <laughs> But, but but he never buries books made by other people. He first makes them and then he buries them. You gotta draw the line. Yeah. Yeah, we talk a lot about that at the American Academy too, because many of our classes, there are two degrees at the American Academy. There's the design fine binding track and the conservation 
track. I don't have the exact name. It's called interdisciplinary. Uh, Peter will have the right answer to that, yeah, what they yeah. call that conservation yeah. side. And so the classes can have um, designers and conservators and all manner of artists in between. Um, and there have been some heated discussions about where that line is, about where, um, when is it okay to rip apart a book and do something crazy with it, something that in your heart you feel you feel drawn to do something that you think another person would want. Um, and uh, it's an expression of how you feel about that book, but you're tearing apart maybe a vintage binding and maybe, you know, conservators will point out to you that there might only be X amount of hundreds of those books left in the world and you just ripped one all apart. But um, those are good conversations to have. Yeah. And what's conservators... <laughs> And it's, also, uh, and, it's, <laughs> and it's also a, a very modern kind of conversation. You know, I, I've erased experiments with ancient Chinese vases that he painted Coca-Cola on. Well, <laughs> that, that's, uh, that sort of thing. You, if that's yes. what tickles your fancy, why not? It's, uh, it's right. art after all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what Peter says too. Peter is very... Um, He's very generous with his opinion when we get to this conversation. He says, if it's your book, you can do what you want with it. So. Yeah. I just wanted to add that uh, uh, conservators sometimes had, uh, has uh, uh, even stronger opinions uh, about uh, uh, any intervention to objects, not only because these objects uh, uh, has, has their own history right now, they're vintage or are antique, or, but also because these objects can become of some historical value 50 years from now or 100 years from now. So sometimes they think about preserving objects in the future. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us a bit about your teaching experience? Because uh, I understand that you're also uh, a teacher of bookbinding. Uh, I don't know how, how regular is uh, this experience and uh, how. Um, I have been a member of the Boulder Book Arts League since 2002, and uh, it's mostly a letterpress group. We have a collection of letterpresses, and um, I have, I've been on the board for a dozen years now, um, and I bring the bookbinding element to the group. And so there are, we offer a, a slate of classes um, two, two seasons a year mostly, but sometimes we'll do summer classes. So we'll have a spring slate of classes and a fall slate. And I teach one or two bookbinding classes each season. And um, mostly what we offer at the Book Arts League is beginner classes. And um, I've done that for so many years, I can't even count, Stefan. Because the truth is, I love to teach. I love to teach beginners. I like to uh, invite people, usher them into this new new art form. Yep. You know, the old yep. is new again. People want to do letterpress printing and handbook binding and keep these traditional arts alive. But the true delight of teaching for me is how delighted the students are with their books. They're so happy. They're thrilled. And I love to be a part of that. 
Um, I have taught little kids uh, all the way through adults um, of every age. And um, I'm also, um, I also do a lot with the Girl Scouts. I have a troop of, well, I had a troop of my own. I think my, my troop is disbanding this year because they're 16 and they're up to their eyeballs in schoolwork now. So they don't have as much time for Girl Scouting as they used to. But in the cadet badge book, there is a book binding badge. And when my troop was a cadet troop, uh, we spent a lot of time on the book binding badge. We did letterpress printed front pages um, that said this book belongs to and had each girl print their own front page for their book. And then we did hand binding for all these books. And um, the first step of the badge is to have a conversation with a person who does book binding and talk about the tools and materials required. And I've worked with so many Girl Scout troops, I can't even tell you. And I love, I love spreading the word, you know? Yeah. Because some of just the little tips and tricks, a simple folded book or a simple pamphlet stitch can go a long way to how many school projects and presentations are in front of you in your life when you're 12 years old. These are good skills to have. Have any of your pupils uh, become professional bookbinders? No, um, I'm, I'm kind of the gateway. I'm introducing uh, the beginners. I haven't taught... Um, anybody who's gone on to be a professional, but um, I did assist at the beginning class last year at the American Academy of Bookbinding. Lang teaches the uh, intro to bookbinding class for beginners, and um, I assisted her in that class last year, and it was just so magical, exactly the way it is when I teach down here in Boulder. Um, the students were just so delighted with their books. One girl said she was riding her bike home from our class back to her, her um, place where she was staying, her lodgings. And uh, she said she was just like, tears were streaming down her face because she was so happy about the book she had made that day. And that is the feeling that makes it all worth it. I love to teach those people. Oh, I, I remember the feeling. Uh, uh, the first time I bound a book uh, under the tutelage of Stepan, of course, we, sp we spent like 12 hours. We had to do it in one go because it was part of uh, teaching. So one of the students yeah. was uh, 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 had to make a book in one day. So we were working and working and working. And in the end, when you get a book, it's, it's unbelievable. Just a, a day ago, you had uh, some, some paper, uh, glue, and uh, a piece of string, and now you have have a book. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And you made that with your own hands, and it's yours. And now you feel. I think a lot of times when people buy blank books with the intention of writing in them, they start to feel like that book is so special. It's so beautiful. It's so perfect that they can't write in the pages. And um, when you make your own book, there's no barrier there. You think, oh, I made this book. This book is mine. This book is for me. And you get right to work. It's my traveling journal now. I use it every yes. year. See? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you told us about uh, your experience with Girl, Girl Scouts because uh, uh, I have, uh, uh, I have some uh, Boy Scouts uh, bookbinding manuals from 1930s or something like that. And uh, when I bought them on old books uh, market here in The Hague, uh, 
uh, I was curious if uh, if it's still a thing for Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts to make books, and uh, you just uh, uh, you just told me <laughs> that it definitely is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. I like that part of teaching very much. And uh, what what about uh, volunteering volunteering at uh, the American Academy of Bookbinding? What's what's that? Because uh, you wrote. You wrote me earlier this year when I still was planning to move to the U.S. and to to study at the American Academy of Bookbinding. This May that uh, you are volunteering there from 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 time to time. What's uh, what is this activity? Um, for the beginner class, for many of the classes at the American Academy, there's um, the the main masters that teach the classes, and then there are um, a rotating crew of people who support those masters in the class. And so if you're supporting Don's class, you might um, walk around and help if students have questions and um, you know help make paste and help teach some of the some of the um, easier skills or you know just have one more voice in the room to say, okay, you're gonna wanna you know do this step next or whatever happens um, in the process of bookbinding where you can help out um, and be a support. And um, there's always a, an assistant in the classes. And they asked me to assist Lang um, last minute last year because I think someone else fell through. And I was at the Guild of Book Workers Conference in Philadelphia with her. And she said, why don't you come up? And I said, well, I would be delighted to. And it was wonderful. I would love to do it again. And is it something reserved for uh, only for past students of of the academy, or an outsider can come and be a volunteer there? Do you know anything about that? I don't know, Stefan. I think that they would be delighted to have you be an assistant in the classes. So I think you just have to ask Peter when you talk to him next week, <laughs> or Don, yeah. and see um, you know when you can come and offer your yeah. extensive knowledge to them. I think that. It would be delighted to have you. Well, I hope I'm not an outsider because I was a student even if uh, a long time Absolutely. ago. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I, I try. By the way, I tried to reach out to Don Glaster and uh, uh, to invite him to be a, a, a guest on our podcast, but he he didn't reply. At least he didn't reply yet. So I hope maybe maybe I will ask Peter to you know to pass the word or something. Yes. I think Don is in the middle of a move right now. Oh, okay. They moved from Washington down to Arizona. So um, they're, they're busy right now. Oh, you can imagine. Trying to settle in a new studio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, could, could you tell us about uh, those uh, multiple traveling exhibitions uh, that featured your, uh, your works? Because those are some of your most uh, impressive works. Uh, I especially I especially liked uh, the uh, the Whitman book. Mm -hmm. uh, that was very beautiful. But uh, but uh, uh, I saw a, a, uh, one or two more. I think uh, in previous years too. Uh, uh, how yes. do, how does that work? Um, the Open Set is a show that's put on by the American Academy of Bookbinding. They do it once every three years, and the first one was six years ago and that was the first time that I had ever submitted a book to a show and um, the open set show has two parts one part is the open part and you can submit any book that you want any book that you bound and um, the set book is 
it's a really interesting project. So they choose a book that all of the designers who want to submit a book to the show, um, they will get the same book and all of the binders mm -hmm. bind the same book. It's really a fantastic thing to see because you see 50 bindings in the show where everyone bound the same book and they all turned out wildly different uh, based on the artist's interpretation of that book. Um, and you know, their chosen materials and their style. And I think it, it's wonderful. So there are two halves to the show. Um, my first year I got into the set portion and the second year too, I got into the set. Um, but I submitted two books both times. And I, I hope one year to get into both halves of that show. Um, I'm sure you yeah, will. <laughs> I have those and uh, and uh, what about the traveling bid? Uh, so it's a show that travels from uh, town to town, from city to city. How many cities? Uh, what's that? That is all chosen and set up by Deb and Lang at the school. And they work with the venues um, who are going to host the show. And they work on all of the logistics involved with packing and sending and ensuring all of the books and um they had they had several venues planned for this most recent open set show too and because of the pandemic the books got locked in a building the the building in new york the Grolier club where the show opened and no you know new york city shut down and there was no way to even get into that building for many weeks and so i think the show may have missed its next stop or it was just decided that the next um, the next stop in the tour wasn't going to happen and probably the venues where these books were going to be shown weren't going to be open to the public for a while or it was just all decided that uh, it's not going to happen this year. So the books were all shipped back to the American Academy of Bookbinding and then um, back to the artists. So that's a shame. But um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool when it travels to the other cities because uh, my sister lives in Seattle. And when my book was with the first open set show, uh, I went to visit her while the show was at the Seattle Public Library. And it was really nice to see all of the books displayed in a different library, in a different way, different configuration. Um, when it opened in Denver, I was kind of delighted that my book was in the same case with Monique Lallier's book, and I, I had to laugh because uh, she's amazing. And what, uh, uh, what response did you get from the public? Did you secretly listen on what people were saying about your books? No, I did not. But um, I have friends in Denver that were there at the opening, and it was just... Uh, inspiring uh, to see all those bindings and to see um, people doing things that I've never seen before, materials I've never used before, structures that I have never bound. Um, just a fantastic array of skills uh, on display for these shows, amazing, really. I should also add that uh, it's, it's uh, I'm not sure it's, if it's a widespread uh, practice for bookbinding contests because uh, uh, not that there are like uh, uh, dozens of bookbinding contests all over the world, but uh, for example, uh, designer bookbinders con contest, they have uh, moving ex exhibitions uh, 
Society of Bookbinders uh, in, in UK also have moving exhibitions uh, after their contests. So uh, yeah, that's that's the thing that happens. And uh, these both British institutions, they, they uh, uh, show their books not only in UK, but they also take them to United States. So yeah, because in the United States, you have a large audience of uh, people who like uh, uh, fine bindings or who make books and uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So should we should we move to some of your books to I don't know sort of show and tell? Yes, let's do that. So um, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot to all of all members of our community, and uh, special thanks to our patrons on uh, Patreon. Uh, uh, your pledges. Uh, at this moment, uh, your pledges uh, cover all our expenses on editing of these videos. So it's uh, very important to us that uh, you decided to support us uh, with your money. And uh, if you want to join uh, the crowd of our patrons, just uh, uh, use the link uh, uh, down below in the description of this video. Uh, please subscribe to our channel on YouTube and uh, uh, maybe check uh, audio versions of this podcast on iTunes, uh, Google uh, Podcasts, uh, or SoundCloud. Uh, next week, we are recording uh, a, a, an episode with Ivan Gulkov. Uh, he's a hobbyist uh, uh, printer, and uh, he told me that uh, he will show us his setup and uh, some of his designs. I'm sure it will be an interesting talk. If you have any ideas, recommendations of uh, whom would uh, better to talk to in our future episodes, please leave a comment below. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. Bye.